welcome to the ASSP Safety Standards and Tech Pubs podcast. In recent years, active shooter and armed assailant incidents have become an all-too-often occurrence in the United States and throughout the world. According to the FBI, since the year 2000, 42% of these incidents have occurred in workplaces. A new ASSP technical report, How to Develop and Implement an Active Shooter Armed Assailant Plan, offers guidance and best practices on how to prepare for and respond to active shooter armed assailant incidents in order to best protect people and save lives. Here to discuss the technical report and the steps businesses can take to help prevent these types of incidents and properly respond to them if they occur is Brian Hammer. Brian is the chair of the ASSP Z590.5 committee, which developed the technical report. Prior to his current role as a senior risk management consultant for Nationwide Insurance, Brian spent 20 years in law enforcement with the Muscatine, Iowa Police Department. Brian, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you for having me. Let's get started. I know this is a, a tough subject and no one wants to find themselves in this type of situation, but the the idea really behind this technical report is that there are steps businesses can take to help prevent a shooter from accessing their facility and that they'll have the proper procedures in place so that if an incident does occur, lives can be saved. Yeah, and as we sit here in, in the Chicagoland area, just of course last week there was a workplace shooting in Aurora, Illinois, just down the road from where we're sitting, and it was a typical workplace shooting. A disgruntled employee was shot up and, and shot employees at the place that he had worked. So, uh, you know, sometimes we concentrate on uh, active shooters and, and things like schools and, and other venues. It certainly is a, a problem for workplaces to address and be prepared for that happening at the workplace. Absolutely. Now, I thought we would kind of, going off of kind of the, the breakdown of the technical report, I thought we'd break our conversation up into three parts. Talk about before the incident, during the incident, and after the incident to discuss how businesses can plan for and respond to these types of incidents and what to do in the aftermath of an incident if one does take place. Well, one of the first things that, that we want to make sure that people understand is that just like in any safety problem, we need to assess the risk that we have. And as a safety professional, that you may not be as well versed in assessing a risk for a, an intentional harm. That's what this report is helping the average ordinary safety person to understand that, that these could be an, uh, intentional harms versus an inadvertent uh, safety violation. So you must assess the risk. That risk includes both the threat risk, which means you know, as a company, do I have the possibility of a disgruntled employee? Do I have the possibility of a, a very mad customer or a, a vendor who's unhappy with us who may come into our workplace? Uh, or do I have the opportunity where somebody who may utilize my workplace as a way to, to for instance, you know, target people needlessly as a terrorism type of thing? Right, right. Um, so we need to assess that threat. And then we have to assess what are our vulnerabilities. Where are we the weakest uh, in that respect? And that could be, you know, things as uh, we always like to talk about is, uh, you know, our, our target hardening. What does our, our facility look like? What can we do to improve our ability to lock down our facility? That is a, is a difficult thing because every facility is different. So we're relying on that safety professional to gather other experts from sure. both their facility and outside their company to give them advice as to where some of those vulnerabilities are. We all work in workplaces. We have a certain product that needs to be produced at the end of the day. Uh, so a lot of places cannot be locked down 100%. We're, we're not working in prisons. We are working in places. We may have warehouse doors that are open because product goes in and out of those doors, or we bring product for manufacturing in. So it's not a, we don't have the availability to completely lock it down. So that's why after we look at those areas in which we can harden and make it engineering controls and improvements to do that, we have to look at the soft controls. We have to look at the policies and procedures that we can implement as an effort to maybe 
to, to thwart some of those. Maybe policies that inner doors will always be locked, uh, even though the warehouse doors are open for that product to go in and out. And then we need to make sure we evaluate that to be done. So uh, we always have to reevaluate and, and see how it goes. And, and the, the technical report does call for you know, consistent reevaluation. Anytime we change processes, anytime we change the makeup of the of the location, then we should reevaluate that plan. You mentioned the site hardening. I know when we're talking about deterring an active shooter or armed assailant and, and planning for that, you touched on this a little bit, but what are the some of the steps outlined in the report that businesses can take to harden their facilities to make it more difficult for someone like an active shooter or an armed assailant to, to enter a facility? Well, I come from the transportation uh, side of, of business, and back after 2001, we were tasked with the idea of developing hazardous material security plans. Okay. And you know, the basis behind that was well, there were concerns that terrorists would access hazardous materials and use it in that respect. So companies always had a hard time. Uh, how do I, you know, defend myself against terrorism? And I said, you know, you're overthinking it. Um, <laughs> think of it from the fact: how can I keep people from accessing my facility that I don't want to be there? Thief or a burglar, for instance, you know, those same types of, of, of ideas that we say, hey, how do I keep somebody from breaking in my facility? Helps me understand how can I keep somebody who may want to come in and harm people to my facility. So I'm thinking about doors and locks. I'm thinking about making sure I have procedures that people don't allow people to come in uh, unless they have the key card. They can't swipe somebody else in at the facility. So get a sense of, of just how can I keep the product in my location safe? That frame of mind will give you a you know, good 90% of what you're looking for. Then you might go outside to some experts. Uh, law enforcement might give you some other solutions. I would also encourage that you know if you belong to a ASSP chapter, you may have some people who can also assist you. So you bounce it off another safety professional. You may be surprised that somebody who doesn't work at your facility every day can point out things you see every day and you just don't see because you're there every day. So uh, there are ways to harden that facility. We spent a lot of time on the committee talking about dollars. We had certainly people on the committee that came from very large companies and dollars were really not a concern. But that's a problem. And I come from some small companies uh, you know, prior to coming here and, and I know that I'm in the insurance business. I know a lot of my customers don't have a lot of dollars to spend. So I always approached it from the idea of, well, we've always got to consider, you know, uh, companies that don't have that. Can we help them in that plan? Um, but there are some hardening things that are a lot cheaper today than they've ever been. And I use closed circuit TV as an example. Of course, closed circuit TV 20 years ago meant I had a camera and I had a wire from that camera to an expensive controlling system. And I certainly didn't, you know, record it. Um, you know, I go back uh, 20 some years when I was in law enforcement, I was head of E91 operating system. And the device that we utilized to, to record 911 calls was $12,000. And, and no offense, I, I, I don't want to you know, tainted, but you know, it was the size of a, a casket. I mean, I was that large. And of course, today, uh, that's not the case. I can have cameras that are wireless, so I don't run wires. I can replace them when they go bad uh, very cheaply, and I can record it on a little small computer device, and that uh, takes up very little space. Uh, so there are options out there for basically any budget right. if we really want to consider do I need to make that improvement? Right, those low cost options for a small business whose resources might be limited, there are still things they can do to try to prevent this type of thing. And more importantly, the review of the policies and procedures 
is, is basically a non-cost option. So when we review procedures to make sure that, you know, people don't leave doors unlocked and, and nobody props the door open so they can sneak out and, and, and smoke out the back door, those things, that doesn't cost us a cent other than the, the time we need to make sure that they're enforced. You touched on this a little bit too, going to the, the soft controls. I'm curious about that. The administrative policies, HR policies, why don't you touch on that a little bit more about the, the softer controls internally that businesses can put in place to prevent this type of thing? Well, let's talk a little bit about HR controls because uh, as we again sit here and uh, within a week uh, we had the incident in Aurora which really was an HR event uh, in that respect. So we do include some of that in, in the technical report um, but after that event that's something that we uh, as a committee will reevaluate to, to maybe work with uh, the uh, Society of uh, Human Resource Management to you know come up with it better solution in that respect. But we do discuss things like hiring practices, which is extremely important um, because uh, that's a preventative thing. Do we, you know, prevent hiring people who may have that potential? You know, looking at their social media aspect, looking at their recent arrest records, uh, criminal background checks, 20 years old, we're expensive today. It's a universal part of, of working. Um, then developing human resource policies that, that, that cover uh, making sure that that employees know they have the ability to come and report something without a backlash, without fear of you know being told that they were reporting on something. Right. Encourage right. them to say, "Hey, I heard something. I think it needs to be uh, you know discussed." Because too often these events, after they're over, somebody said, "I knew it would happen." Well, but you didn't report it. So human resources is going to be even larger after uh, what happened in Aurora. The other one, the controls are, sim are very simple. Those are similar things that we do every day in the safety world. Uh, we want to make sure doors are secure, doors are locked, um, no procedures uh, to make sure people come in and out, make sure people follow um, you know, security badge procedures. Uh, and if you don't have a security badge, you don't come in until you get cleared. Those things are extremely important. We can go back to the human resource again. You know, if a person is terminated and that their badges have, uh, are taken from them, their keys are taken from them if they had keys to the access. One of the biggest areas that I've found that people are afraid to tell people that, hey, Brian got fired today because that's a, that's a, you know, personal decision. We don't let everybody know. But hey, if, if the guy who works in the warehouse doesn't know and then I, sneak in the back door of the warehouse. He sees me walking through. He doesn't think anything of me walking there because he knows I'm there. So some certainly there's some decisions uh, in those policies and procedures need to be made to make sure something that could have happened or you know came close to happening in Aurora doesn't happen. Join us again next time when we'll be continuing our conversation with Brian Hammer to discuss putting your active shooter armed assailant plan into action. The technical report is available now through the ASSP store and you can find additional information and resources at ASSP.org standards. We'll see you next time.